Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is another rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. And Autumn, this is going to... Well, this whole season's been weird, but it's going to feel weird to say... It's late October, and we have no NBA basketball. I was just looking at the calendar. Like, so a year ago this time, we had two or three games in the books. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of out of sorts as far as NBA goes. Like, I, and I think that's going to be a thing. It's, you know, there's a the usual cadence to the season. You know, and, you know, June, the draft, and summer gets hot. You expect in the free agency now, everything's just kind of messed up. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm lost. I'm a ship at sea. We are two NBA fanatics without a way. And hopefully Bobby Marks, who's going to come on this show, he's ESPN's expert, front office expert, is going to provide us a little bit of structure on what a new NBA campaign might look like, what a new cap might look like, what free agency could look like. Because we don't even know when free agency is going to be. We know when a draft is going to be. It was supposed to be this month. It's gotten pushed back to late November. But so hopefully Bobby can provide us a little bit of structure. But one thing that we do know and one thing that we enjoy about the offseason is, you know, it is kind of hot stove season. And with most teams in a moratorium period right now, no transactions can be made. So players cannot be dropped. Players cannot be signed. Trades cannot be consummated. But one thing that they can do, they can fire coaches. They can hire coaches. And so far this year, we've gotten some really interesting hirings with some big-time clubs. I'm going to run through who we're going to focus on but I kind of want to get your take and then we can have a back and forth on who might be the most successful this year. Ty Lue is now at the Clippers doc to the Sixers and my guy, Stan, the man Gundy is back. Otto, he's back. (laughs) And and I I have a whole reason of why this is sad for so many reasons. It's good for Stan Van Gundy and the Pelicans, but his Twitter account is not going to be as great anymore, which is very (laughs) sad to me, but okay. Of those three coaches, who do you think is going to have the most success as we head into a new season? I'm most excited about Doc and Philly. I feel like I feel like the combination of the players that he's got there, Bede and Simmons and everybody else, that, that he's kind of the right man for the job. And I'm most concerned about Tyron Lue in, in L.A. I feel like it's a very high bar. We all know this, you know, finals are bust. And that's so and, – and, and Stan's kind of somewhere in the middle. So what's interesting about Stan Van Gundy, he is such a loud personality. Mm. I, I've known him here in Orlando. I've ran into him a few times. He 
never came by the magic offices because that would just be a no-no on so many different fronts, Otto. Uh, but he is someone who relates incredibly well to people. And he's going to have one of the bigger personalities or really one of the bigger stars in New Orleans in Zion. And, you know, right before we started this segment, our producer, Bruce Bernstein, gave us a great nugget. It was something that I didn't see. But he has said that he doesn't envision a set position for Zion. And we've talked for years about this idea of positionless basketball in the NBA. I don't know if I can see Zion bringing the ball up the court consistently, but I can certainly see him interchanging in a handful of different positions. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how, how, how Stan uses him. It's also going to be, I mean, I, I hope that the, we're, we're past the minutes question. They, it felt like we're every time he's up on the floor, how many minutes is he going to play uh, and whatever restrictions he has. Um, but like I mean, the team is, I think, well poised. I mean, they think Stan is a good, good fit and good match, you know, for, for the squad at this point. You mentioned Doc was, you were really excited about him in Philadelphia. Do you think that's the right combination to mesh Simmons and Embiid that he can get the most out of them? Uh, I, I, I do. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, Doc comes in highly, respe- I, I would imagine, comes in highly respected for what he's done, yeah. you know, not just in LA, but obviously going all the way back to Boston um, and just his years in the league, his knowledge of the game and kind of the command that he will respect from, from, from the guys. So I, I hope that gets him over the line. I mean, after all, it is Philly. So we do have to take that into account. But but uh, no, I, I sit all seriousness. I mean, from having spoken to him over the years, I, I feel like he's the the right guy for that town and those players at this time. I'm just happy to have him back in the Eastern Conference. It was you know it was fine with him out there out west, but he feels like an Eastern Conference coach. Oh yeah, oh yeah. His years yeah. with the Celtics, the Magic, now with the Sixers, like yeah. it it just feels right. Like coming home almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what Ty Lue can do with the Clippers. That was the team really for the most part last year, just for whatever reason, didn't feel like it ever connected and meshed well. And I, I don't think that's an indictment on doc as a coach at all. I think it was a lot of moving parts with a lot of unforeseen circumstances that came about. And so it's going to be interesting to see, look, Ty Lue, when he was with Cleveland, LeBron ran a lot of that show, but you know, Ty Lue did a lot of the coaching and a lot of the decision-making and a lot of making sure that players stayed in check. And he has experience working with big time personalities and that's not that doc didn't but it's just a different way and maybe a different way to go about it and so it'll be interesting to see if he can get the most out of paul george and Kawhi and kind of that band of rosters that yeah, band no of players yeah there's no, i mean there's no question the thing about the clippers though is like the, the, they were probably one of the teams if not i mean maybe aside from milwaukee who got undone by by the by the COVID yeah, break or whatever. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate for, for Doc and his legacy that that's how it ends, that, that you didn't have the chance to see what could we have done if they had gotten to that, you know, the, the, the no travel, all staples Western Conference final. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it, look, it is what it is, right? And, and here we go. Hey, I've been on the Sixers train for a long, long time, and I'm excited to see if he can do something with my guy Embiid because I want to see my guy, my Jayhawk in the Eastern Conference Final. But, all right, let's get to our man guy who is the feature presentation of this episode of Catch and Shoot 2.0. That would be the one and only Bobby Marks. All right, it is my pleasure to welcome in once again, I guess at this point he's a friend of the program, right? His name friend is Bobby Marks. <laughs> His name is Bobby Marks of ESPN. And Bobby, I'll start this really honestly. 
I have no idea what's going on with next season. And I don't think Otto does, and I don't think a lot of people do. So if you could be honest with us and tell us maybe some things that you know just about where we're at right now with the NBA, because we have a draft that's coming up in a month, and we have a season that might start in two. So let's start there. Lie to us. Just lie to us. <laughs> well, it's funny, guys. It's a, We all work on a, a calendar and structure, right? And when we don't have either, it throws our lives in a little bit of a – turmoil here but yeah i think i think we've you know we, we know that the drafts are, is um is november 18th um free agency is going to fall within a couple days probably right after that if the goal is to get this season started um december 22nd um and get some and get christmas day games in um if it wasn't the goal if we were looking at it probably a january mid-January start, then I would probably said free agency is probably going to start somewhere in December. But because of the timing issue and we're eight weeks away from potentially starting, you know, we're, we're in a time crunch here. So I think within this week, we're probably going to get some salary cap numbers for 2020, 21, and 21, 22. Um, we'll have more structure, I think, by the end of uh, this week, as far as when free agency starts. We're still in this transaction moratorium, so teams can't even make trades or um, you know, do anything with their, with their roster here. So, um, and the league and the PA have to get an agreement done. I mean, that's the, the going to be the big thing, and um, how much are the players going to have to give back? That's, that's, um, you know, that's, that's one of the negotiations that's going to happen here. So, as I said, hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll have a little more structure than just that November 18th draft that's just sitting there right now. Bobby, do you think there'll be any kind of a tiered uh, season whereby obviously the Lakers and the Heat went rather deep, but you have other teams that have been off for, uh, what, six or seven months, whatever it's been. I mean, could you envision a scenario in which, say, like, like I don't know, the Minnesotas and the Golden States of the world get going and to, to get those Christmas days, those, those lucrative Christmas dates, and the other teams kind of come back on January 5th. Do you think that might be something they might explore? I, I don't think so. I think what you probably see is that the Lakers and the Heat and maybe Denver and um, Boston, four teams that finished, you know, end of September, early October here. I think the, the, the schedule makers will be kind to them as far as when, you know, if the Lakers go, are going to play on Christmas Day, for example – you know, maybe their next game isn't until the 29th of December, or we maybe we push more of their back-to-backs towards March and April, and we kind of build that schedule up there where it's hard for me to think that the Lakers are going to play three, uh, four and five nights, you know, in the beginning stages or even the heat here. And I think we're all going to, we're going to, you know, have a 70 or 72 game uh, schedule. We're all going to get going probably in, maybe December 22nd, December 23rd. That means all 30 teams here. And I just think it's a matter of um, how the schedule works. I think it's a little bit different, guys, than what it was in 2011 when we had the lockout. And then we got playing right, right at Christmas and we had 66 games. And why I say it's different is that the NBA was competing with arena dates, right? There wasn't that many arena dates available because of um, some teams had hockey. There were concerts in there. Um, there was not many dates available. So we were, they were playing three nights in a row, potentially where here, you know, there's a wide open schedule for arena dates with, there's no concerts. There's no, um, you know, there's no, there's no dates being held up except for hockey. So I think you, you're working with an open slate or open calendar here to be able to can kind of fill in the blanks. It's yeah. It's so funny. Cause I remember when I worked at the magic, you know, 
they were the first tier when it came to those competing dates, whether it's with the hockey team that occupies the arena or also there was an arena football league team. But December 22nd, for years, a lot of people have enjoyed that Christmas Day game. Why is that week so important to the league? Why did they identify that particular week? Well, I mean, I think certainly, if, you know, I'm not going to be naive here. I think the ratings are part of it. I think we just went through a um, October of, you know, not good ratings. And a lot of it was probably what you're competing against. It was like, it's funny, we, we went through March, April, May, where we had nothing. And then we had, you know, September, October, we had too much right? We basically had every sport going. And when you're competing against the NFL and you're competing against SEC football and college football on Saturday night, and, um, you know, certainly baseball here, that's just wrapping up here. I think your ratings are going to suffer. Um, and there probably was not as much of an appetite now than there is, um, you know, maybe in late, late June. And I, and I, I think it, it's important to the late, you know, the, um, the Christmas week start is that to finish it in end of June, you know, you're basically on 127 days to get 72 games in. And I think if you push it to middle of January, middle of January, end of January, you know, we're going to be playing playoff games in July and August. So I think the goal is always to try to get back to some type of normal schedule. Um, the normal schedule is July to June in the NBA world. Um, you know, the goal is not to have free agency in, November <laughs> and you're competing against Thanksgiving games on Thanksgiving weekend or college football games, because let's face it, the NBA usually owns the month of July or at least the first yeah. two weeks of July. And now we're going to start, um, we're probably going to start free agency like Thanksgiving week. Right. I mean, and I know you know, it's not a great class and stuff, but how much play is that actually going to get? So I know it's, it, it stinks for some teams. I think some teams have, you know, are, are waiting to go here, but it's the sacrifice that we, everyone is basically going to have to get, make to get some type of normalcy back. And I think, as I've said all along, it's, a lot of this is to get 2021-22 back on schedule when hopefully by then we'll have stands will be full. We'll get 82 games in. Um, you know, there's a um, little bit, it'll be a little bit different than where it, where it is now. Going back to the, the ratings question, um, do you envision, I mean, obviously Christmas Day has always been kind of reserved for the marquee matchups, but do you feel like because of how October went, there's just going to be that much more emphasis to, to have strong demand for, for top flight A-list games at the start? And they'll do like a front-loaded, where you'll see the Lakers playing the Bucks and the Warriors and the Clippers right out of the gate. You know what, guys, I would be surprised if we see East versus West this year. I really would. I think where we are with this pandemic right now and from a scheduling um, issue, how we're trying to get um, 72 games in 130 days. I, I don't envision, you know, Milwaukee playing Golden State and all of a sudden there's a COVID break outbreak. And now all of a sudden the, the, the Milwaukee's trip is wiped out. And how do we reschedule those games? So I think for Christmas Day, I think you're probably going to be looking at East versus East and West versus West. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think you certainly are going to want probably both LA teams to play. I think you're going to want Golden State to play maybe Denver. Um, I think Dallas will probably be on the docket. I think in the East, you'll probably get a Milwaukee, Miami, um, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, um, you know, um, type combination there. 
Um, so I think that's kind of where I envision if there's, if we're going to start setting the schedule is that loaded up on division games, maybe teams are, uh, you know, Philadelphia is playing Brooklyn six times. Um, maybe we add more, um, conference games here, but it's just hard for me to think that we're going to see teams crisscrossing the country here, um, in the state we're, we're in right now, just because of, you know, you see with the NFL, the juggling act they've had to do and, you know, one game, you know, you push back basically trigger six or seven games. Um, and I think that would be certainly the case in the NBA if that's, uh, if there is some type of outbreak here. Yeah, absolutely. Bobby, you mentioned the CBN uh, and we spoke a lot about on this show. And I think we even spoke about with you on this, just how in concert both the players association and the league was just to get that bubble environment going. This seems much more difficult, especially when you consider the revenue sharing that the teams are going to have to have in play heading into next season. How big of a concern is that when you are going to have some teams, most notably the California teams that could be playing in empty arenas, and then you have two Florida league teams who, you know, we both live in this state and our governor has opened it up completely and they could have packed houses if they want to. How big of a concern is that for the league, how they plan to share those revenues? Yeah, no, it's a concern. And I think, um, you know, 2019-20 is different than 2021 because we had what teams had had 33 home games already when things had shut down. So there was revenue coming in. And, you know, even if we were projecting $8.2 billion in revenue and let's say it comes in at $7 billion, right? Well, in 2021, we just don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I think there's $8.4 billion in, in projected revenue before everything happened. Now, if you're not playing home games and the commissioner has been out front about this already, you know, that's what 40% of revenue. So you chop that number down. Now we're down to like 5 billion, which is a huge number. And I think that's where we're going to see with um, how the league sets the salary cap, how they set the luxury tax. Um, I'm, um, you know, just the teams I've talked to is that, you know, the cap and the tax at a minimum will stay where it is this year. But on the other end, the league is going to ask, for the players for instead of 10% escrow, you know, maybe 30% escrow, maybe 40% escrow. And what that's going to do is that, you know, there's going to be about 1.6 billion that's going to be set in an account. So when revenues come or, or low, or maybe if maybe we do get fans back in, it's basically a security blanket to offset the 50, 50 split here, because we've already got 3.3 billion committed in player salaries already. You know, and on a bad, a bad summer off season, we're going to get up to probably four billion. And you know, I'm not a math expert, but when you got five, five point five billion in revenue, and you already got four billion to the players, that's more than that fifty fifty split here. So I think that's going to be the big thing. You know, the players gave, um, gave back ten percent in, in revenue, uh, escrow, and another fifteen percent. That's twenty five percent from last year. That number is going to be in, increased. I mean, it just, it's just the, the way of the world we are right now because there is so much unknown. Who's going to be in the building? Is it going to be 25%? Is it going to be nobody in the beginning? Can we get back to 50% in March or April? And we just don't know where that's going to be. So that's the big thing, I think, from the league and the PA is to negotiate is, is the escrow. I mean, the cap is going to be artificially set, right? We've talked about it before. I mean, if we go by the CBA – you know, the cap's going to be $90 million and the league is not going to allow that to happen. Both sides aren't going to do it. So I think we get an artificial, um, I think we get an artificial cap. I think um, there's the escrow will get figured out. And I've talked all along about the luxury tax. The luxury tax is going to be the big thing as far as what the final number is going to be, because pandemic and no pandemic, we were going to only have four or five teams that were going to have 
uh, cap flexibility. You know, a 109 cap or a 115 cap, the same Atlanta, Charlotte, Detroit, New York, maybe Miami and Phoenix, throw them in. You know, it wasn't going to move the needle a lot. What, I, what I've talked to teams about and what the concern is, is that if the, cap, if the tax stays at 132.7, man, we are going to be at a slow crawl when it comes to free agency. Because, you know, you look at teams like Indiana and Milwaukee, Houston, who are pressed up against that number. Um, if the tax goes up to 139, it just gives you so much more flexibility to be able to, to sign players to do sign in trades. You know, the hard cap we've um, talked about a lot is, you know, the hard cap on a $139 million tax is 145. So that's a big difference. And um, I think if you're the league and the PA, you want a higher number because you want the spending. You want it. You want players. You want player movement. Um, you don't want a hundred players signing for the minimum exception. <laughs> that's not what you're going to want. You want trades. Um, so I think that's the one thing. If if you're if you're a numbers guy, you're looking at this week is if if we get a one thirty nine luxury tax, then yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna have an active one month of you know trades and or maybe signings and um, teams can be able to shake up their roster. Bobby, you mentioned you talked about the cap. So let's talk about Houston and their cap number with regard to Harden and Westbrook. I mean, what is that going to look like? Well, I mean, you've got, you know, the two guys, they have three years left. I mean, you're 85 million um, committed for just this year to those two. Uh, You've got the Eric Gordon extension that's just kicking in now. You've got P.J. Tucker. You've got Robert Covington. I mean, you're right at, you know, 127, 128 million dollars. Um, so you're pressed up against, um, you know, you, either it's going to be the luxury tax, you know, they're not going to have much um, flexibility, but if they have, you know, if the, ca- if the tax goes up to 139, then maybe you do have that mid- full mid-level exception to be able to use, which is about 9.3 million. So, um, yeah, they're one of those teams, you know, as I mentioned, Indiana is one of those teams. Milwaukee is one of those teams that's interesting also. Like, you know, we are hearing out of Milwaukee, like, yeah, ownership's willing to spend. They're willing to go into the luxury tax, but like, it's one thing to say it, but like, what are you going to, what free agent do you want to spend $9 million on in this class and pay an extra $30 million in, in the tax? If they're going to be a fascinating, um, you know, fascinating situation here because there's 30 teams in the NBA. We've got four cap teams. I think we've got four in the luxury tax and everybody kind of falls in that in-between stage. It's really funny. You mentioned Milwaukee because not only do they have, that going on. They also have a big decision on what they're going to do with Giannis. Obviously they're going to offer him the supermax, but what does that do to their cap situation in a year that's going to be more in flux than any other? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the big decision whenever we get going in free agency and, you know, he's eligible for supermax. Um, it, it, it's going to be based off the 2021, 22 salary cap. So it could be 230, it could be 250. He's going to be somewhere in between there. So when you lock up Giannis for 2021 and you've got Chris Middleton and you've got Brooke Lopez and you've got um, Eric Bledsoe and you've got, you know, George Hill for, this is for next year for 2021. That's kind of what your roster is going to be unless you're going to, as I always say, it's addition by subtraction, right? Like if you want to move the pieces around then all right, who's the odd man out? Is it Eric Bledsoe? Is it the Indiana pick? Is it the Ersan Ilyasova non-guaranteed contract? That's kind of, if you want to shake it up, I don't think it's going to be the, 150 million that's owed to Chris Middleton still. Um, so that's, that's the hard part. And, you know, for Milwaukee, it's like, it's, it's funny we talk about them 
because they've won 75% of their regular season games, right? But at the end of the day, everybody gets judged by the playoffs. You know, when you lose in the Eastern Conference Finals and you lose how they did this year in the Eastern Conference Semis, we're expecting better results. And now you've got the Giannis decision over, um, you know, hanging over your head. And if I'm Giannis, I'm probably playing this out. I, I don't know if there's a rush for him to go out and sign the Supermax on day one because – um, I want to probably hold ownership's feet to the fire or the front office and say, like, what can we do with this roster? Can we change parts around? Because that offer is going to be there. You know, that offer is going to be there next um, for that offseason. And they're not going to trade him unless he comes in and demands a trade. And I don't think that's kind of his uh, his character. What are some other big questions that you see out there facing uh, facing some teams? Yeah, I think Oklahoma City is going to be interesting. I think what they do, I mean, they were a great story this year, um, getting to the playoffs after they moved, um, you know, with Westbrook and, um, you know, moving off of Paul George. I think what happens with Chris Paul, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he's got two years left at, I think, 85 million. And, um, you know, he had an all NBA type year. Who's the coach going to be? What direction are they ready to kind of retool? Retooling in the Western Conference, as you guys know, is not easy at all because you can go the 14th and you know two months and you'll be down in the bottom with um you know with minnesota and uh in you know sacramento and some of these other teams so i think what the future of chris paul is going to be is um is pretty interesting i think what happens with fred van vliet in toronto um are is is the, if Giannis doesn't sign an extension are they going to take a conservative approach with van vliet and try to leave flexibility um you know, with, uh, with, with him, I think uh, it would be a mistake not to, you know, lock him up long-term. What happens in Miami? Miami is the big question because of, you know, Pat Riley's been out. He came out on, I think on Friday and said it like he's leaving that, that cap flexibility box unchecked <laughs> for 2021. Like, and what do you do you know, with Dragic and Jay Crowder? Can you get those guys back on one-year contracts? You've got the Bam out of bio extension that's over hangs over you, and if you lock up out of bio, it takes you out of free agency in in two thousand um, in twenty-one if if the cap stays a little bit low. So I think those are some of the you know the bigger storylines. I know AD is the main free agent. I don't see him going anywhere. I think what will happen with AD AD in Los Angeles is that. His contract, you know, what's the what's going to be the length of the contract? Um, I think you're probably going to see a short-term contract, probably a a two-year deal or maybe a three-year deal with a player option to get some back out in 2022. And as I said, all that money that he left in in New Orleans that he can recoup because now he can sign for 35% um, of the salary cap. So it's a singles and doubles free agent class, I call it, right? This is not last year with Kawhi and Kemba and um, Kyrie and KD, you know, some of these really, Jimmy Butler, some of these big names, but you can find, you know, a starter. You can find role players with, with this group. It's just a matter of kind of going out and identify them. Yeah, last year it kind of felt like half the league ended up being free agents <laughs> in that wild summer. Did, did the doc move? To Philly do anything to move the needle for you on the Sixers? Well, I, I think it moved the needle where if I was Philadelphia, then I'm not doing anything with Simmons or Embiid because I want to see a full year with Doc Rivers. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't think it takes Tobias Harris or Al Horford off the table. I don't think you hang up if someone calls about them, but I do think with those four guys, and especially with Tobias being with Doc already um, with, with the Clippers, um, there's a familiarity. Um, it just gives you a little bit of a different look. 
you know, how does he use those four guys where it didn't really work this, this past year? Um, what are they going to do with their bench? I mean, they've got five draft picks. I mean, they got one first and I think four seconds. So what are you able to do? Are you able to maybe move up in the draft here? So I think for a win now team, he's probably the best, um, the best fit, you know, for that group. I think it would have been hard to, t- to go out and get an assistant coach who maybe didn't have the track record like, um, like he did. Bobby, help me out here. We're going we're to let you go after this, but help me out here. I was a Knicks fan as a kid. So talk me off the ledge about what's going to happen to this squad when Brooklyn is going up and down, presumably going to win a whole bunch of games, and my, and my, my old Knicks are going to be what, – what am I looking at here? You're a New York yeah, fan. Yeah, I, I, think, I think what you probably look at is what, where Brooklyn was two or three years ago, kind of where you are you know, now. I don't think you're in that you know, dire straits because you, you do have your, your, some of your lottery picks and stuff. And as I said, that, you know, what Brooklyn did was they built a foundation. You know, the foundation was, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, um, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, right? And when they built that, like the first layer of the foundation, you were able to kind of put the walls on the roof on with KD and Kyrie and some of these other guys. So I think you have to get away from the notion that New York sells, that just because you have New York on your chest and you play in the bright lights and there's skyscrapers and it's a great place to play the garden, that sells to free agents. So when you have R.J. Barrett and you know some of your younger, Mitchell Robinson, some of your younger players to – build off of, we'll see what happens in free agency. So when you get to the summer of 2021, guys want to come play with them. I mean, that's the goal is that you want to be a drawing card because guys want to come here to play basketball. And it's going to be interesting because they've got, you know, a top 10 pick. We'll see what, you know, what, what they do there. Uh, they've got another pick in the late first. They've got those Dallas first that they, um, you know, that they have, um, the big decision is what they do with those non-guaranteed contracts with, um, you know, Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton. Um, I, if I was New York, I would be careful going out and say, hey, we've got $50 million in cap space. You know, I'm going to give Fred Van Vliet $25 million, and I'm going to go out and give Joe Harris $15 million, and I'm going to eh, I don't – But that's so us. That's so what we you do. Be, you got to be careful, and it's hard. Like, I was in New Jersey – when I was in New Jersey – this is a funny story in 2010, you know, we were in the chain, we had back then $30 million in cap space, which was a lot of money. Right. And when you, and we had new ownership and we had these meetings with LeBron and we, and um, Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, and you know, we missed out on all three. And then you're looking at basically like Carlos Boozer is the last man standing. Right. So you're like, well, we got to get somebody here. I think we offered Boozer five for 70 and he wound up going to Chicago for, I think five for 85. And we caught a, a break, but you get that pressure from ownership. Like, well, what are you going to do with the money? Right. You got to fill out a roster. And then I, as I, as I joke, you know, we wind up signing the law firm of Farmer, outlaw, Moro and Petro. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it wasn't like, and I know New York got criticized last year. I think more of that, that they spent it all their money in 24 hours, but it gave them the, the flexibility where they can cut bait with Taj Gibson if they want to, or, or Wayne Ellington and still have the flexibility this year, or they can bring them all back and they can use them as, um, as, as trade assets here. So um, cap space is a great luxury to have, right? But as I say, it's fool's gold sometimes because sometimes you feel like you need to go out. And I think 
it's going to be interesting what Leon Rose, who's never gone through this, but he has surrounded himself with a lot of good executives with Walt Perrin, who was in, um, who's in Utah and is, you know, they've taken a somewhat of a conservative approach this year, as far as how Leon goes through this, because it's not like it's July and you've got, you know, July, August, September to figure out. I mean, like, free agency is going to probably start on November 22nd and training camp is going to be December 1st, maybe. And is he going to feel the pressure that he needs to field a team or he can maybe just run this group back and evaluate it through the next, you know, couple months here. A lot of big time decisions yet to be made. Bobby, when we started this interview, we had no idea what the NBA season was going to look like direction it has. I feel like we have a little more structure now, which, you know, well, a little I appreciate bit. everything a little bit. that you provided, <laughs> all the info you gave us. Thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, Bobby. We always appreciate it. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. That was dope. Well, look, that was another great conversation with Bobby. We love Bobby. And, and I feel like as, as a, I've said this before, as a childhood Knicks fan, I, I there's still like that little bit of, you know, you want to look at a, you want to see him do well, you know, maybe not. And so I'm, I'm heartened by, by, by what he said about the, about the Knicks. And so we'll see. The, the best your- part, the best part was you were hyping up the Nets and he goes, you're pretty much where the Nets were about two years ago. But in reality, when you think about it, the Knicks have been in that same area for about the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you're there now, but like, will you put it in drive eventually? You know, it's like it's, Grand- it's Groundhog's Day. <laughs> in the version of Groundhog's Day. <laughs> but it, so the, the, the thing I took away, and I'm such a basketball nerd, and I, I enjoy the cap, and I enjoy like the inner workings, and so – when Bobby was talking about the fact that we're going to have probably a stable cap this year or a cap that's going to be inflated based off the revenue, and it's going to be at around $109 million, that's incredibly interesting to me because so many teams' uh, decisions are made off their cap availability, like we mm-hmm. said. But also at the same time, the question I wanted to ask and I never got to ask was, at what point does the league feel bad continuing to go back to the players and telling them they're going to have to take a less? Right. Like he was talking about the money that's going to be put in escrow and the basically discounts that are going to be put on players guaranteed contracts this year. And, you know, the league and players have had a great working relationship for a very long time. But if I'm the players association, at what point is it just like, I'll concede on some things, but I can't concede on everything anymore. Right. Right. All, all good, all good points. I like we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to be getting into it <laughs> in, the, in, the middle of, uh, in the middle of the winter, right? When, yeah. right? Right when we should be playing, when we have a new conversation. So. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though. I'm really excited about the draft next month. Like, these players have been sitting and waiting, and they've been doing these virtual workouts. I bet those guys are just excited to play ball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, lots of good stuff in the weeks to come, and uh, we will be sharing all of those good stories with you. But for now, that is one more edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. I want to thank uh, our producer, our man in the chair, as I like to say, Scott Turkin, our other producer, executive producer, uh, Bruce Bernstein, as well as our editor, Tom Pillow. They are the guys that keep us honest and keep us on time each and every week. Speaking of every week, if you guys have not been catching the shows that Pure Hoops Media has been putting out Monday through Friday, where have you been? Monday, Mike Weiss had a tremendous guest. If you don't know her name, how are you even an NBA fan? Jeannie Buss, she is the governor and the owner of the Lakers. They talked about the Lakers championship and what might be on the horizon for LA. Tuesday is full court press with John Fanta. This week, he had Iowa's Luca Garza. 
Wednesday, as always, is where you come to catch and shoot and get your NBA news and nuggets. You can catch up on a host of good interviews that we've had over the last couple of weeks. Bobby Marks was fantastic this week. We'll continue to bring those each and every week. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McCord. This week, they will feature ESPN's Christine Williamson and the week caps with the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Guys, we always like to say this. If you enjoy our shows, if you like the content that we've been bringing, whether it's on the podcast, Instagram, or Twitter, all that we ask is that you like, review, and share. And if you enjoy it, make sure you know you tag three people who might enjoy our episodes. And you guys, you know what time it is now. We're heading into the cold weather, which means, uh, unfortunately, means flu. It means people getting sick. So uh, coronavirus is with us. Please, for everybody's sake, especially your own, wear a mask, wash your hands, so social distance, please, for everyone's benefit. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.